in the moment, like when I look back and I talk about it, it happened really fast. But in those moments, it, it started with making a decision in faith. That's the best way I can articulate it. Make it, and I don't mean religious faith, God faith. I just mean, I just mean faith in yourself to keep taking that step. Whatever that thing looks like. And I think the hardest piece to this is not knowing where it's going to go. Not knowing if I was going to fail. And I think people have a difficult difficult time making this decision, Kevin, because they they need the answers first before they make the decision, right? And, and, and so what I'm saying is to get to that next level, sometimes you have to make that decision without knowing the result of what it's going to look like when you decide to step. Hey, this is Coach Dane Gingrich, mental performance coach and former professional athlete, and you are listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports, health, and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. Today I'm excited to bring you Coach Dane Gingrich, who's a high-performance coach, a speaker, former pro athlete, and actually met uh, Coach Dane on his Facebook Live show with our Episode 78 guest, uh, Michael O'Brien, and I learned about his incredible story of perseverance, and uh, I knew I had to get him on the show, especially with uh, the struggles that he had in his transition to life after uh, his tennis career. Uh, so, Coach Dane, thanks for coming on the show today, and can you just start off by giving our listeners a little bit of background on your athletic career? Kevin, first off, appreciate you having me on, man. Really, uh, really enjoyed your time with Michael and I on our on our Facebook show, and and went back and checked out checked out your podcast. Love what you're doing. Um, Heads and tails is killing it, and and super uh, humble to be here, man. Um, so a- as an athlete, so I, I I played professional tennis, and I and there was a there was a moment where I had a little crossroads, right, where, where my passion was basketball, and I could have played college basketball like a mid-level d1 um basketball but everybody was telling me uh to go the tennis route it was the easier route the safer route i was better and more likely to turn professional so i turned professional only after one i I lost a ton of scholarship offers because of some stupid stuff i did in high school and etc etc so i went the long route i went the junior college route uh just for one year and um, turned pro after that and um and played and kept getting injured and would would do my best to rehab and get out there get injured again come back and that that happened like four five six times before i finally hung 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 up the tennis racket and started coaching it which then led quickly into mental performance training with my tennis students with my elite juniors that were trying to also go to college and turn pro and and from there it just kind of slowly segued into, man, there's something different here, bro. Like there's something, everybody's doing the physical stuff. And I realized from my, from my past as an athlete, how strong, how important the mental game was. And I just started diving in. I'm like, we don't have enough people really focusing on this mental side. And so I, I dove in on just what I knew as an athlete and saw instant, instant results. So I went from tennis player to tennis coach to now a, um, a mental performance coach and it just kind of like hit me with in in a whirlwind you know what i mean yeah and i guess I, there's a couple of interesting things that kind of caught my attention in there's just that brief little intro uh you said you struggled a lot with injuries and that's something we talk about a lot on this podcast so like what kind of injuries were those and you know why did it keep becoming like a recurring thing like was it like your lifestyle or just bad <laughs> it- luck or what no, no, I don't. For I don't believe in luck. It was a lack of preparation. I was just too weak. So, first was I, I was riddled with with um, injury all throughout my entire. I mean, starting I can remember in like ninth grade, hamstring injuries all the time. Just hamstring tightness, super tight, and that led to you know then then my back would start hurting, which led to you know just the 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 injury that took me out was a knee injury, and it's still to this day. Um, I haven't taken care of it. I'm sure there's some tears in there. I got both knees that are kind of screwed up and a shoulder and a shoulder that's out. But I didn't see, I, we always say, right? Wish, wish I knew then what I know now. I didn't realize and I didn't have anybody like pushing me, pushing the importance. And I know you're a football guy and how, how important 
strength, and we've talked about the physical aspect of that, but no one was pushing me to strengthen. So here I am, this little 160-pound kid with, you know, I, I was strong, but I wasn't strong. Like, I wasn't able to stay out there long enough without getting injured. Um, so no one was pushing me to, to really strengthen my body, which is ultimately why I had to bow out, which is ultimately why I never really made it to that next level because my physicality wasn't what it needed to be. So ultimately, I mean, I had all kinds of injuries, but the one that took me out was, was, was a knee that, that, um, that just couldn't, couldn't push through anymore. And, and by that time I was already, I was 29. I was kind of done. I was, you know, I, I didn't even need to go get it didn't know need to have surgery and come back and have another year or two of rehab like I was done by that time but 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 it was the just the reoccurring knee stuff that just kept pushing me away from the game okay uh and then the other thing that caught my attention was kind of this uh I guess awareness of the importance of the mental game and did this come like I know it kind of you came to this realization after your career but is it because of like the lack of you know, mental strength that you had, or because you did have certain mental strengths, because maybe you lacked some of the physicality uh, required that kind of took you to that level. And you wanted to kind of teach, you know, your athletes today, you know, kind of that mental side that got you to where you, you achieved. Yeah. Yeah. That mental piece was always with me. My dad was an athlete and he and I, from day one, had always talked about, he asked me questions all the time. What, what makes, what, what separates the great ones from the good ones? Right. And at the time, you know, I was eight, nine, it was Magic Johnson, right? Like Magic and Larry. Like what was the biggest difference between these superstars that you see and hear about and you watch on TV and the, and the ones that should be there that aren't? And he constantly just kept pushing that mental piece because that was the answer. It wasn't about their, about their physical gifts, right? You have to have, obviously, you have to have some kind of talent. But the, but the reason the superstars got to be at that level was not just solely on their physicality. So he, he kept pushing that since I... In my first tennis tournament, I was five, five years old, six years old, playing against 10 and 11-year-olds. And, and he said, look, you're smallest, you're smallest out there, but, but the only way you're going to get through this is to tap into something else mentally. And I remember that at five and six years old. So I was always really mentally pretty strong. I could focus really well, and I had, I had like a fight in me. Like we were going we to go out in the back alley and fight before, before I quit. Like that's the kind of mentality I brought. So I had always kind of had that and had been – taught that from a really early age so that when I segued into the teaching of the sport, I realized quickly that everybody was just doing mechanics and everybody was just talking about physicality and no one, definitely local here in, you know, where I was in Southern Cal was really specializing in the mental. And so that's where it began, knowing that there was another level of this, as my dad and I had talked about my whole life, but no one was tapping into it. So I, I just said, I'm going to tap into it. I know enough about it as an athlete to try to figure, figure it out on another level um, and help these, help these athletes get to that next level. So I was groomed to, to focus on, on the mental piece. Um, I, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I was a little bit more groomed to, to get in the weight room a little bit more and strengthen my body. Maybe I'd have stayed out there longer. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people wish that too. The the physicality a lot of that time is is uh, genetic, but um, yeah. so what would you say is like the foundation of a strong mindset? Like, is it visualization, like you said, or like just the the grit, like you said, like you would go in the back alley or whatever to to get it done or whatever? Um, you know, what would you say like encompasses the foundation of a strong mental game uh, for athletes? I think, I think, man, it's, it's such, that's a, that's a great question. It's a really hard question to answer. But if you look at all the champions, right, if you look at all, all the, the legends or the hall of famers, what they have is this ability to stand in the face of adversity. And as, and as I still like quote Will Smith, when he said this, I love when he was talking about it, if he was going to compete next to you on a treadmill, there was only two things that would happen. And, and this is what all champions have two things that would happen if he's competing with you on a treadmill is either you're going to quit or he's going to die. And, and that's kind of how I, that's the foundation is this, there's this level of grit. There's this level of you will never break me that has to be developed. Some, sometimes we have it naturally, but it can be taught and, and, because without that, we don't have a chance because we know that struggles coming, right? We know that pain's coming emotionally, physically, 
mentally. We know that stuff is coming. And so if we can create this foundation of, of I will never, I will never, no matter what comes at me, I will never stop. I will never break. If we have that as a foundation, then we can start really tapping into visualization and really envisioning what that leads to. But I don't think okay. you can get to any elite level if you don't have that. And there's so many different answers, right? But I always go back probably just because of experience, because we've all, you know, you, your story, right? Like how much pain and suffering and the, the miracle that you are today because, because you've just decided that, that you weren't going to stop. Like it, you, it wasn't going to break. you. Right. right. And, and I think all elite athletes kind of come from that foundation, some form or fashion. Yeah. I, I also think that that mentality kind of can be a problem at times because when, when you said like Will Smith on the treadmill, like either, you know, what was it? He's going to beat you or he's yeah, going to either, either, either the dude next to me is going to quit or I'm going to die. Like that's that right. old school, that old school. I know that, you know, we talked about that, that old, that old toughness thing, right? That, right. That I don't necessarily subscribe to. Like you have to be like, we'll, we'll talk about the definition of toughness later. I'm sure. But, but, but an elite athlete, any successful person has to be able to, stand in the face of adversity right in in the face of pain and however they do it not allow themselves to quit right and just make sure think? that it's not it's not their head no i'm just saying like i i think that that you know that athletes who encompass that mentality are the successful ones for sure but i think back to myself i'm like i was definitely someone who held that mentality and it kind of worked against me in some situations when I didn't know when to stop. Right. Like there's a point of like diminishing returns when you think that way. And eventually like it just starts to beat, beat you down to the point where in my case, I almost died. Um, right. But, exactly. but at the same time, that mentality at, after my injury allowed me to kind of persevere and, you know, create what I've tried to create today with the podcast. So, right. Well, don't you think it's also a tug of war between, between having that mentality, because you, you're, you're never going to reach another level if you don't have some form of that, like the pain won't break me mentality. But isn't it a tug of war between that mindset and then the self-awareness piece to where you don't go down the rabbit hole of, uh, of I won't say physical injury, but where it takes you like what you did when you had, your, you, you know, you had this concussion, but, but you, you, you weren't going to let it break you, quote unquote, where maybe in those moments, we have to be self-aware enough and be taught that it's okay to, you know, maybe let go of some of that, some of that you won't break me mindset once in a while. But it, it's a dance, right? It's a dance between I'm not going to stop and, ooh, maybe I need to rest. Right. right. No, I, lo I love that. And I think that self-awareness piece, like you hit the nail on the head with that because I know in my situation, I definitely didn't have that at the time of my injury. Uh, so what do you, you know, teach your athletes to kind of develop some of that self-awareness? Well, that's an everyday piece, right? First off, let's be aware of being aware. Like, let's make it, let's make it a normal. Let, because I think we, we wake up and, and with really high performers, what do we do? We get up and we just freaking slam our car into sixth gear and we just go and we just speed as fast as we can. And we just put our head down and we, you know, equated to a football player running back we just freaking run through the line as fast as we can regardless of what's going on around us so i, I think the first step to to learning how to become so and this is a really tough one right like 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 how to teach you how to be self-aware that, that's that is that is super difficult right yeah, it's a big question <laughs> so it's, yeah, a, it's a, a huge question, question. It, but but i think the first piece is to be aware of being aware like, I just think we put our head down, we close our eyes and we just go and we wake up and we rinse and repeat. And all of a sudden we're 70 and we haven't been aware of anything. But I think if we, if we can be aware of our surroundings and, and, and what's pushing us and what's pulling us and what's pushing us over the edge and what's not, and just slow it down to, to really living in that, in, in that present state right? and being self-aware of every state, I just think we get better at it. I don't know if we ever master it. I, I just think we continue to get better at it but but to, to, to teach you how to be self-aware like i don't know if anybody can teach you how to be self-aware but yourself that's a tough one 
Yeah, and I I just kind of thought of like I think a question that you can ask to try to become aware of being aware is just why. You know, when I think back to my injury and why I wanted to play uh with a hurt shoulder and why I wanted to play with my head hurting and all these things like my why was because like I wanted people to think that I was tough and I wanted to impress the girls and I wanted to impress my coach and all these whys like they don't matter like it's not they're not really good reasons so but it, but is it is it do they not matter when you look back yeah that's true thirties, right? Or do, because could you could anybody it could could anybody have convinced you in that moment when you're sixteen, when you're eighteen, when you're twenty two that it didn't matter? Like could anybody have convinced you of that? Or would you have need, needed to just learn and experience that and take from that to move forward? I think a little bit of both. Like there's there's probably a few people in the world that I would have like respected their opinion, but you know, it would, would have been like yeah. Tim Tebow or something, not like <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and not anyone actually accessible. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Um, but all right, so let's talk about your transition to life after tennis. I know it's something that you really struggle with, so maybe uh, talk about what kind of like led you to your low point and how you bounced back. That that that's and that 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 one hit me. That one we're talking about lack of self awareness. I was not living in self-awareness there and I was not prepared to go from from and it, and it wasn't as much as my professional athletic career into the next level that was a smooth transition because when I stopped playing it was an easy transition into teaching the people behind me the kids that wanted to reach that next level that was easy what the difficult part was what, what the lowest point I had is when I was transitioning from just teaching the game of tennis to these young juniors and, and some adults also into a world of this, this mental performance, running my own business. Now I'm not under the roof of a tennis club where they supply everyone and, and I just show up and I teach who I teach. Now I got to run my own business. Now I'm transitioning from being under their roof. Now I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it on my own. So I have some other clients that are coming in from other sports now. And I have, I have, test taking anxiety with high schoolers and junior hires and i have some sales staff that want to work this mindset and i'm like wow man like this is this is e this is all it takes this is easy i'm gonna go run my own business i'm gonna be this mental performance guru here and i'm just gonna kill it that's at that moment is when i hit my lowest point because of course it wasn't that easy right all of a sudden i didn't have the clientele all of a sudden i was losing every dime in the bank. All of a sudden I was having difficulty in my marriage and 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 everything just started to spiral to a point. And I and I think it was because I was not prepared and I wasn't self-aware enough to deal with struggle when it hit me. No one taught me. I just thought I knew it all and thought I could handle it when it came. And I went to that level of planning to end it like planning i hate that s word i try to say it a whole lot planning my suicide right and i got to a point where that was it like this whole this wasn't i, I was dealing with too much pain now like like the pain of losing every dime the pain of you know struggling in my marriage the pain of the pain of and, and really what it was kevin it was i started to become like internally i was becoming um the the loss that i was experiencing right they, I, I, they weren't separate anymore like the struggle in my business i was internalizing that and i started to feel like i was becoming that failure and, and when those two collided when the business struggle collided with who i thought i was internally that's when i dove to another level and and i started you know i planned it and i knew how i was going to do it i just didn't know when i was going to be able to do it right i had it and and i remember looking at my wife in bed one night and like kissing her good night like it was three in the morning and i'm like this could be the last time that we and i got to that level man and all because of what we were talking about prior i was not prepared for the struggle that came with that next level of life whether it's athlete you know you know, your podcast is about segueing from that at the athletic life, maybe injury into the real world. Nobody prepares us for that. 
right? Nobody prepared me or I didn't take the opportunity to be properly prepared. And, 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 and again, when, and I think this is a mistake so many people make is they take their, they take their outside, their external failures and they turn them inside and they then become, they think that they are the failures that they're having on that on the outside and when those two come together when those two collide and align i think that's when people get into big trouble yeah that's that's powerful and i think back to my own story that's like essentially what you know happened it's like i never thought that i was like a good enough athlete or whatever to like impress people and then it came to the point where like well you're not an athlete anymore because you can't play sports so like yeah when the two of those collided it was like oh god this is not good right Uh, so right yeah, so so what kind of things do you say to your athletes today that that kind of prepare them for something like that? First, let's prepare before it happens. I'm a huge believer in working backwards. Always working from as far out into the future as we can create a vision and then and and, and mentally make that vision a reality. Like not a hope, a wish or a want, but like let's go out as far as we can in the future and let's let's plan what 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 you a, want to happen and then let's pan some scenarios of what might happen let's get as prepared as we can down the road so that when and if we hit that we are already prepared to handle it and and, and then let's come back to today let's get locked on to today and what do we have to do today to then prepare us for that future that's coming right and and regardless of how much we we use visualization or we envision our future like we're not we're not in control of a whole lot of it but 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 I can tell you from personal experience, and as you've you, you know you've experienced as well, as much as we can prepare today, right, will help us when we hit that wall coming tomorrow. Because what I do know, like I don't know what it's going to look like, feel like, or taste like, but I know it's coming. I know the pain's coming. I know that struggle, that transition, whatever that is for you. I know that struggle's coming. So let's prepare right now. Like so so you know we you know a couple of my mentors have always you know really helped me open my eyes to that. Like today. You are becoming who you will be tomorrow. Like tomorrow is dictated about on, on what you do today. And I think too many of us wait until tomorrow to then prepare for tomorrow. Like I'll just, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll just put it off. To, I'll just get ready tomorrow. Now let's get ready today. And then when seven years hit, you're ready. At least as ready as you can be. And so long story to answer your, your short question, I, I push as far as I can. I push that envelope as far as I can into the future and get them and help them create a vision and then help them come back to today and prepare as radically as they can for when it comes, right? And and we're never going to be 100% prepared, but let's get as prepared as we can. Yeah, and does that look like, what does that look like? Is it like journaling or like, I don't know, like a storyboard, like with your vision? Everything. Kind of working back, everything? Huge piece, uh, huge into journaling. I'm huge into vision boards. I'm huge into doing whatever works for you, right? Like some people actually like to make videos. Like they take out their videos and they start videoing themselves, pretending they're in the future. Other people like to make audios. Other people love to write. Some people do like those vision boards. They got these huge vision boards on their wall of what their future is going to look like. I think whatever you use, you know, it's an individual piece, but, but I'm a huge, huge believer in putting something down in picture form or written form or audio form of what that thing looks like. So that, because, because if we don't know what that thing looks like, how can we prepare for it? Like, how can we prepare for that thing that's coming? And I'm not saying we're preparing for disaster. I'm, I'm saying we're preparing for the successful future, but along the way, A, B, and C struggle is coming in some form or fashion. So how do we then prepare for it? Well, we got to create, we got to create the vision first. Yeah, and as an athlete, like you, you know whether you're a high school athlete or you're Tom Brady. Like your career is going to come to an end at some point. So it, it's not like <laughs> we don't. We, some people believe that it's inevitable. Yeah, no one's going. We're never going to die, man. We're never going to be. We're never going to be too old. We're never going to be too old. Yeah, yeah. That 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 has worn off for me. That thought, but it's definitely <laughs> one that I I used to have. <laughs> how how about Eli Manning? Is that is that worn off for him yet? He, yeah, he still right. Think he's. <laughs> struggling a separate conversation yeah <laughs> so i don't know if we talked about this but when you were at your low point you said you had you know had planned your own suicide you know how did you back bounce back from that i know you said like was it gaining self-awareness and if so like how did you gain that 
Ooh, so, so this, I, I try to answer this as, as short as I can because it, it's, it's, I can see, I can see the picture in my mind. But when I say the words, people think I'm out of my mind. So there, there was a night I'm sitting in bed and I'm literally kind of like, like I said, saying goodbye to my wife. It's probably going to happen. Like I just can't handle this anymore. And then, and and then, you know, I just started like praying or meditating, and I just heard something tell me, "Look, you can go like this." And I'll just say God, right? Like turn some people off. Other people, who cares, right? Like, I, I just heard something say that you can go this way. It's your choice, right? But if you do decide to stay, you have to commit to staying 100%. Like, you can never go back to this level of quit again. But I'm going to give you the choice. Like, you can go left, and you can end it, and you can do Or you can choose this other path, right, and, and fight through this as hard as it's going to be. And then eventually you're going to have a family and keep fighting through this. But you have to decide. And then, and, and I just remember hearing that or feeling that or seeing that and just out of faith, somehow I just committed to taking the, the, the right turn. And it wasn't like magic where I sprinkle fairy dust and boom, I'm out of it. It was a really, really slow process of just saying, okay, let's just see where this right door takes me, where this right path. If I decide to just hang out, if I decide to fight through it, what does this look like? And then I would wake up the next day and say, all right, let, let's go see what this path looks like for today what does this look like if i decide not to quit and then pretty soon we got five months down the road and then pretty soon we got you know nine months down the road and i'm still like i'm still just kind of on my hands and knees chugging along right let's just see wake up and let's just see what this new day looks like and then pretty soon we got two years and then we're we're kind of sliding out of it right and we're out of it by two years and, and and then all of a sudden we're here today in 2017 that was my daughter's eight nine that was about 10 years ago right but in the moment, like when I look back and I talk about it, it happened really fast. But in those moments, it, it started with making a decision in faith. That's the best way I can articulate it. Make it and I don't mean religious faith, God faith. I just, mean, I just mean faith in yourself to keep taking that step. Whatever that thing looks like. And I think the hardest piece to this is not knowing where it's going to go. Not knowing if I was going to fail. And I think people have a difficult, difficult time making this decision, Kevin, because they, they need the answers first before they make the decision, right? And, and so what I'm saying is to get to that next level, sometimes you have to make that decision without knowing the result of what it's going to look like when you decide to step. And that's right. all I did. And I, I chose to do it daily. And here we are. Right. And that's kind of the definition of what faith is like, you know, kind of doing something or believing in something and not knowing if that's actually going to be the outcome. And kind of going back to what we said about um, kind of planning for the future of like your future successes and stuff and everything that comes along with that. It's the same kind of ideas like you're preparing for things that may or may not happen. But either way, like you have a plan for when it does happen. So you can right. kind of make those low points, you know, get through those low points maybe a little quicker because you already kind of know what, what your plan is. And then, it, and then it continues to grow compound interest on itself. Like, and then once you choose to step and you're like, all right, I got through today. And you keep stepping, man, I got through this month. All of a sudden, you start gaining confidence in yourself where in the past, which is why you got to that low spot, you didn't have. Right? So taking those small little steps and just choosing that I'm not going to quit again. I don't know what it's going to look like. Right. I might be broke for the rest of my life, but I'm still never going to quit. When you keep making those daily decisions, you gain this confidence that you didn't really know that you were capable of having. And that confidence, that momentum and compound interest of confidence, that ultimately is what gets you going to where to where you feel like now at the level I'm at now, like I almost invite the struggle. Like like I'm a, like I, I really want to feel struggle and pain and doubt because I ultimately know that to get to the next level. Like that's what's going to catapult us, right? But it's a slow, it's a, that's 10 years, right? 10 years of kind of growing through that experience. And, and that's kind of what I try to help teach today, right? Like let's get through that pain. Go. Right. And it, you're right. Like everything is like a cumulative effect in that compound interest idea. And I just think in terms of like my own podcast, like I've been doing it for a little over two years now. I just posted my 100th episode not too long ago. And I remember two years ago doing an interview and thinking like, that was freaking terrible. I suck at this. Like, I don't, I want to quit. <laughs> I remember, I remember like vividly. 
And I'm like, no, but thanks to my girlfriend, she kind of helped push me through it and keep trying <laughs> to, to go. Uh, but here I am. And like, it, it's, it's amazing. Like what could happen if you just like keep going and keep trying different things and keep going. Like it'll, it'll really turn out to be something cool. Isn't that the foundation uh, of everybody's success, right? Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, so I know you're a big proponent of the 1% mindset. It's something that you, you talk a lot about on your website. So can you explain what that 1% mindset is and how uh, our listeners can kind of apply that to their own life? The 1% mentality kind of goes back to what my dad taught me. Like he was teaching me that, like I was saying earlier, five, six, seven years old, is what separates the great from the good? What separates the legends from the people you'll never hear about? And it's the mentality of doing and being and living and like becoming and being all in and immersed in a work ethic or a drive or a hunger, sacrifice, investment, put whatever word you want to it. But the 1% means the best of the best. And so it's not the 1% physicality, right? Because I know plenty of gifted athletes that you never will ever know about. It's the 1% mindset because all the champions that have ever gotten to that level have all tapped into what that is. And so, you know, I, this is when I started my mental performance business. It was just Dane Gingrich working the mental thing. And, and someone said something about 1%, right? And I was like, wow, that 1%, like, yeah, those are the champions. And so I just, I just kind of branded it, branded the, the, the mental performance thing that I was doing in, into that. And, 1% mindset is about tapping into something internally that the majority won't tap into. Like a level of insanity that, that most people won't tap into, a level of sacrifice that most people won't. Right? Kobe Bryant talks about it, right? He wakes up, you know, when he was playing, he's waking up at three and working out from four to six, and he'd take a break and he'd work out eight to 10, he'd take a break, he'd work out one to three, and then he'd six to eight, and da da da. And, and it was just this level of insanity in order to separate and differentiate himself from his competition. That's what the 1% thing is. That's what the 1% mindset is. It's tapping into a level of a, a, a level of crazy, for lack of a better term. And I, and I do believe, too. I do believe those guys, that lo- you've got to be a little insane. right? To, to, the, the people I work with, I'm only wanting to work with people that want to buck convention, that want to like stick it to normal, cliche way of thinking and teaching and training and, and go to levels that most will call you you know, insane. And most would say your goals, your visions are unrealistic. And that, that's kind of what that 1% thing means for me. Yeah. And that reminds me of my buddy, Mike Burton, who plays for the uh, Chicago Bears now. And I grew up playing football with him and I, uh, he, he went to Rutgers and I was a student manager there when he was on the team. And he's a guy who, to me, embodies the 1% mindset. Like, he wasn't. He you would never see him with a beer in his hand. He, he like didn't drink his like his entire college career, um, right. but that's because he he was focused and he knew what it was right. going to take to get to the NFL and to do all this. And if you look around, like at all his classmates, like they're not in the NFL. I'm like, but he is right. because he chose to be the one percent who wasn't going to do all those things that weren't going to help him get to the next level. Um, that's but hard, to, man. That's hard. Yeah, it, it's to, freaking brutal. To me, that's toughness, right? Like. Yeah, it's doing those things that are difficult over and over again, and that those things that accumulate over time that aren't sexy at the time, but it's what gets you to where you want to go. So I, I really like that. Yeah, man. Success, success isn't success isn't sexy. It's sweaty. Put the little quote on there. Put a little quote on your on your uh, on your podcast promo. Yeah, it's not sexy. It's sweaty. I might make that the the title of the the podcast episode. <laughs> That's it. Um, I mean, everybody's so, trying to make it sexy. Everybody's trying to win a million, <laughs> make a million dollars. Everybody's trying. They're they're unwilling to 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 put in the sweat necessary. All right, I keep cutting yeah. you off. I'm fired up, man. I got I got freaking my heart's racing. So I love it. No, that's great. I like the excitement. Uh, so how do you push yourself out of your comfort zone today? Like, what specific thing specific things do you do to push yourself out of your comfort zone? Me personally, yeah. Me, me personally, so so what I have to do personally is first it starts with my morning routine like i don't want to get up at 4 15 4 30 i just don't want to get up because i tend to go to bed you know 10 30 i want to hang out with my wife so we can stay married right so so <laughs> but, but i push I, I i push my body a little bit and, and and shoot for six hours of sleep first step i do is stay with that morning routine because i would rather be in a cozy sheets 
in the warm because you know it's getting cold in southern cal it's like 70 now it's really cold there. <laughs> so but but it's getting a little it's like down to 67 in the morning so we're getting a little cooler get a little cooler here so i i start with that i start with the morning routine of getting up early and working out and doing my meditation and just that normal morning routine stuff and 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 then day-to-day stuff to grow my business it's about reaching out to people that don't know me it's about spreading the word of what the heck this one percent thing is and so my daily step out of comfort for me is about approaching people that I think will say no. Approaching influencers, whether they're on Instagram or professional athletes or whoever that person is that would be kind of scary to reach out to, to help help grow this thing and, and, and keep growing it and keep compounding it. Com- you know, comfort for me is safety, right? Comfort for me is knowing the result, right? A lot of people cannot know the result and still kind of fight through it. For me, if I didn't know the result was going to be successful, I would never even attempt it growing up. So for me today, even as you know, a 47-year-old adult, man, if I don't know the result, I feel uncomfortable. And so I do anything I can today, make cold calls, freaking just a- approach people on social platforms that will tell me to go to hell, like, you're out of your mind, you're insane. What is this thing that you're doing? And so it's an everyday thing. I look for notes. I just look for no's because I know eventually that no is going to be a big old yes. And then we get to another level. I really like that. That's me personally. So I I would think that a lot of the athletes that you work with probably have, you know, already a similar, you know, 1% mindset. Do you find it challenging to kind of push them or find new things that push them out of their comfort zones? Like they have probably like an ever evolving comfort zone, you know? It's shocking. It's shocking, actually, Kevin. You would think that even the the elite athletes, and I work with some professional golfers, that you would think that these dudes have this 1% thing locked down. Like you would think that, it, man, how am I going to push this guy? Like it's easy with the high schoolers, right? It's easy even with the, the, the college players. It's easy. But when you start tapping into like semi-pro stuff or guys that are training to be professionals, you, you would think that they got it on lock. And I'm, I, like 99% of them do not. They work hard. Right, a lot of them work hard. And I remember working with Tyrone Ross as he was setting up. He's on. He, he I met him on Twitter, and he was getting ready for the Olympics a, a couple Olympics back. And we were on the phone talking, talk about a one percent. And I asked him. I said, "Man, you guys are like, you guys are all look the same." He was a he was a two hundred and four hundred sprinter. I said, "Man, I, I've seen pictures of you. I've seen pictures of your competitors. Like, like you guys are all beasts. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you possibly separate?" And this is where it's separate. This is the differentiator right here. And he said, "Look, yep." Yet we all work really hard. We all eat well. We all sleep well. We all get out and we work out. We all work hard. He said, I don't work hard anymore. He said, I, now, I work to death. Like that was his differentiator from him. He's like, I don't run races. I run for my life. Like That's the 1% thing. That's that insanity thing. And he had it, right? which is why he was on his way to the Olympics before he snapped his groin. But most, wow. people, you would, most people do not have that level of personal investment. So, no, I don't have a difficult time pushing people because I'm a little insane. I, like, literally, like, I don't believe in reality. I just don't believe in, in, in making goals, making realistic goals, making attainable goals. Like, if you're 12 and you're, you want to be a golfer, we're breaking Jack's record. You are going to be better than Nicholas. Like, you are going to be better than Jack and Tiger. If not, if you don't want to be there, I can't work with you. Like, that's the level of craziness I'm at. It doesn't mean you have to physically get to that level, but if you don't have the mentality to strive for that, we can't work together. And that's not easy, man. That's that because you're taught from a really young age, Kev, as you know, as an athlete, right? That that to be realistic, to create attainable goals, to create this realistic goal, to have a plan B, to have a black backup plan. If you have a backup plan, you've already lost. You can't have one. It's done. But that goes against that goes against ninety-nine percent of the way that we're taught. So with these like big goals and big, you know, dreams that a lot of athletes have and people who encompass this one percent mindset that, that you work with have, you know, how do you kind of help these athletes manage like when they may not achieve those goals or like when they shatter their groin, you know, going into the Olympics? Like how do you help them approach those kind of things? It's about loving what you're doing in the moment. It's not, even though we, we talk about these huge visions, 
and we talk about breaking Jack's record, or we talking about getting an Olympic gold medal, they're talking about breaking all the Olympic records. It's not even about achieving that goal. It's not about even achieving the vision. It's about creating a mentality. The, 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 the long-term crazy vision is set up so that you can learn how to work that hard. It's about enjoying the preparation on, you know, that leads you to that vision. So it's not about, so I, I don't try to manage their little feelings of what if they don't complete it? What if they do fail along the way? We don't, we, we don't try to manage those feelings. We immerse ourselves, we create the vision, but then we immerse ourselves in the enjoyment of the everyday micro detail. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And we talk a lot about pre-acceptance of that. Like we have to pre-accept that anything is possible. It might happen, it might not happen, but that's not why we're after it. We're after it because we wanna wake up at 4.35 in the morning and enjoy the grind. We wanna enjoy running at freaking five in the morning when it's freezing. We wanna enjoy getting in the, in, in the pool and training when everybody else is sleeping. That, that's what we wanna go all in on. And if we happen to get to that next level, man, that's just icing on a cake. But it does start with pre-acceptance of any result as possible. If we can pre-accept it, it might happen. When we pre-accept it might not happen, then we can go all in on what, what do we have to do to make it happen. And it's just, it's just a whole, I don't wanna be all cliche, it's just a whole, the whole thing of like just loving the process. I just hate saying that word, I just hate saying that because everybody says it now. Just enjoying and really going all in on your day-to-day -day challenge. Go all in on today-to-day -to -day challenge, and tomorrow's going to be what it's going to be. Right, and I, I think, you know, if you're waking up at 4.30 and to work out or, you know, do all these things that are not fun, you know, what makes it fun is the end goal and that big dream that, you know, you're, you're shooting for. And I feel like without that dream, you know, what's the point of waking up like that? You have to, you do, you do have to have, you got to start with the vision, but, but we always say this, look like I cannot guarantee you. And this is the hard part. That's why there's only one Kobe, only one MJ, only one Ray Lewis. There's only a, a, a few of those people, right? Is because I cannot guarantee if we raise your bar to a 10, that you'll attain the 10. I can't guarantee that no matter how hard you work, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how much of a genius your coaches are, we can't guarantee that if we raise your bar to a 10, that you'll attain it. But I can 100% guarantee you never, you, you never will hit the 10 if we allow your bar to stay at seven. And that's it. That's the foundation of, of, of what I do on a personal, on a coaching level. I'm raising a bar to a 10. There's no guarantee you're going to hit it. But if we leave it at a five, six, or a seven, I can guarantee 100% you'll never hit the 10. So you've got to make a choice. Without knowing if you can hit it or not, you have to raise the bar to Without knowing if you're actually going to get there, you have to be all in on the raising of the bar. That's what that 1% mindset is about. All right. Uh, so what kind of, like, what, what are some of the mistakes that athletes make that impact their mental performance that, that you've noticed? Focusing on what we just said about results. They just, they, they go all in on, on what if I, what if I don't, what if I fail? The number one thing that takes us out of success and you know as an athlete right when we talk about quote the zone whatever that thing is right like the 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 number one there are two things that take us out of of that mental clarity and that is focusing on what happened focusing on on, on what's going to maybe happen in the future and, and, and so that's the that's the biggest mistake by far is athletes and everybody in general you're an athlete entrepreneur whatever it is like you focus on well what if i don't make it focus on results. You, you, you create an outcome kind of based thinking instead of just staying right here, waking up early, working your face off and just letting it be what it's going to be. Right. And thinking about now and what you have to do now, not what you did, not what's coming. <laughs> right. It's all, it has, but it's so, oh, it's so counterintuitive though. And you know, you know, right. Cause that, here's another, here's the tug of war and the dance that we play. But, but you said, what about this goal? What about this vision we talked about in a year or five years? And so they're always constantly playing a tug of war between now and then. What, what, and so there's this, just this delicate balance between staying present and not letting your mind go to the future, but allowing your current drive to be driven by the future. Right? That's the, that's the dance. That's the tug of war. Right? You've got to be present in your moment while you're playing, but you've got to be driven by your future vision while you're training. Right? That, that's, and that's the, 
that's the dance. And if you can manage that, and, and while you're performing, not get consumed with the future, primarily mistakes, and then, then you'll have a chance. All right. Uh, what are, what's like the one, number one thing an athlete can do daily to kind of encompass this mindset? Visualization. Visualize what this thing is going to look like, feel like, taste like. Your mind works like a GPS system in your car. Before you drive that, before you turn on the, before you can, before you put your pedal, you know, your foot on the pedal and drive, you got to know where you're going. So, so one of the number one things is, I, it doesn't matter if you wake up early. It doesn't matter if you work your face off. It doesn't matter if you train insane. It doesn't matter if you don't know where you're going. So I think one of the biggest things that is underutilized is everybody gets to the gym. Everybody trains to some form or fat. Everybody knows that to get stronger, I got to lift. To get quicker, I got to run. But the mental, the visual piece, I think, is still to this day in 2017, man, still underutilized. I think if we, if I were to just out, if I were to just say you can only do one thing, one thing, it would be visualization more than physical training, because your brain doesn't know the difference between a real life emotional visual, like an, an emotionally connected visualization, and real life. That's science now. We know, and even though we know, we still don't have athletes consumed with it like they're consumed with getting in the gym 55 times a day and then they might visualize once a month <laughs> and then complain about why they're not manifesting their training habits like well you haven't seen it you haven't your mind doesn't know what it wants to achieve right so. do you recommend that athletes do that like daily you know when they first wake up when they before they go to bed uh all there... day every day turn off the tv visualize turn off the radio in your car visualize Wake up in the morning, like I make a routine, I wake up, I visualize, I freaking, I'm in the shower, I visualize, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm visualizing, I'm eating breakfast, I'm visualizing, I'm driving, I'm visualizing, just my eyes open. Every day, <laughs> all day, all day, <laughs> multiple times a day, and then, and then get creative with it, like we talked about early, and, and journal about it. You know, you can visualize in many, many different ways, right? Talking to friends about the future, that's visualization. Writing in your journal, that's visualization. Having a little storyboard, having a little... Boarding, that's visualization. Cutting out a picture from a magazine, that's visualization. Even turning on ESPN and watching highlights and putting yourself in that athlete shoot, that's visualization. Every day, all day, you can't do it enough. And again, Kevin, like, man, I wish, I don't know, I don't, because you're a lot younger than me, I don't know if you utilized it much, but I didn't utilize this at all growing up. Like, the brain does not know the difference. It has been proven in so many different ways. It does not know the difference between a real life, like emotional visual, and what's happening in real life. So why in the heck aren't we doing this more often and making it, it's just not, it, it just feels kind of weird to a lot of people, right? Like it feels a little woo-woo to people. Right. And I, I think I did it like subtly, you know, like unintentionally when I was, right. you know, growing up. But yeah, I definitely could have utilized it far more. I think I, I achieved certain things I envisioned, and there's other things that maybe I didn't, I didn't visualize and they didn't happen probably because I didn't have the vision. So Yeah, it, it's hard, man, because it's easy to go yeah. to the gym and work out because you're sweating and you're feeling it. But it's hard to kind of tap into that imagination. And, and then people, people are like, well, what if I do it and it doesn't work? What if I do it and it doesn't work? What if I, they always have this what if I, what if I don't? And that, that holds people back too, but it, it doesn't stimulate you as much as like getting to the gym or running track or running sprint. Right. And, and the thing that Tougher. keeps people from, yeah. from going to the gym is like, they don't see the immediate results, you know, like, and what, what gets yeah. you the results is just a continuous, you know, compound effect, like we've talked about already. Uh, but even more so with the mental visualization, uh, you don't get that like tangible satisfaction, you know, it might come like three years down the road and no one can see the difference or you can't see the difference. But uh, as we finish up the, the interview here, you know, what do you tell your clients who are battling injuries, you know, and how, how do you kind of help them get back on the court field ice, uh, whatever that might be? Uh, that's such a tough one. I think, don't you think too, and you've, and you <laughs> injury, I can't even compare my little knee or shoulder to what you went through. I, I think, you know, and you see it all the time at every level, right? I think coming back from injury is probably one of the most difficult things that an athlete can do, even when he or she is healthy. It's that trust thing, right? So as a mental guy, right, this is where my job would be so much easier as a physical trainer. Like I can, I can push you and I can make you physically rehab. 
as a coach, a football coach, basketball, I can make you come out here and do reps and, and, and show you that you can trust your knee now, for example. But as a mental guy, this is where it's really difficult for me because I can't do anything for you except keep training you to visualize the comeback, right? That's, that's kind of the power that I have is just keep, let's keep talking about what that comeback looks like when you're 100% healthy. Even though you're, you, you just had surgery, let's put your mind in a state of emotion and confidence of what it's going to look like and feel like when you're 100% healthy. Let's not get bogged down into the pain of it all and what if this happens and what if this happens. My job as a mental coach is to constantly push you to push your mind into a success state. And that's really hard when you're hurt because you're looking at your knee, you're all bandaged up, you can't walk. What do you mean six? I can't even walk. What do you, you want me to be there? So it's this, it's this tug of war again, we always say this little delicate dance of this physical reality where you look down at your injured body and then I'm trying to take you out of your physical reality and put you in a mental reality of what will come, what will happen, what you're striving to achieve. Even though you can't even walk yet, you're going to be 100% in X weeks or X months. But you then, as the client, as the student, as the athlete, you then have to do the work mentally. Because again, like physical, I can make you do the work. As a rehab guy, I can make you do these reps. But as a mental guy, I can't make you journal. I can't make you go into your mind and find the courage, even though you're feeling the pain, you've got ice on your leg. I can't make you find the courage to put your mind into that place where you need to be six, seven, eight, nine weeks. Right? You hear Kobe talking about all, like, I don't know, people hate Kobe. I love Kobe because of his toughness of his, you know, we talked about that mental thing. When he was talking about his Achilles tendon, his last tear before he retired, that, that's what he said he did daily. He did all the physical, but while he was doing the physical and while he was sleeping and when he woke up, he was constantly living in his 100% Achilles again. You know, and, and, and I think you, know, that, that you have to do that. Just it's really tough. <laughs> I can't make you do it. And that's where it comes down to that courage to buck reality. Here's the reality of your situation today on Monday. I need you to go to Sunday, you know, six, six weeks down the road where you're healthy. Live in that space. What does that look like? And that's what I'm constantly doing with my athletes is I'm trying to just put them in a future success state and, and, then, and then trust that they're going to do that work. Well, I think that this podcast is a, a great motivator for anyone who might be in that state. And I, I really hope that, you know, it gets out to all the athletes who are injured and kind of shows them like, you know, yeah, put yourself in that 100% state, you know. And I think from a mental standpoint, you, you, you probably, for, you know, it'll be a, a time where you kind of forget about your injury and the feelings that you might have towards that and think about the successes that you're going to have for the future too. So yeah. Um, yeah. I really like that. So where can people find you on social media and on, online? Well, I'm, I'm everywhere on the social platforms are too many to mention. If you go to coachdane.com, D-A-Y-N-E, um, that's my site and then all my social uh, social platforms are there, Twitter, Coach Dane. CoachDane.com. All right, and I'll link all those up in the show notes, uh, along with some of the other stuff that we talked about today. And uh, Coach Dane, thanks again for coming on and sharing your knowledge with with the guests. Absolutely, man. Remember now, as you're gonna say in the title, baby, success ain't sexy; it's sweaty. I love that. <laughs> love that. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs>